Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our uh, Conversation With series this Tuesday at 1130. It was a little bit of a different time. Thank you for uh, joining us. And of course, obviously, the replay is always available and you can share, like it, and use it as you see fit. Uh, my name is Terrence Fox. I'm the head of innovation with iAdvise, and I'm pumped to talk with Adrian Swinscout today. Punk rocker, uh, author of Punk CX, How to Wow, and host of the Punk CX podcast. So make sure you subscribe and find them on uh, Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen. But obviously, he's a leading CX consultant for brands worldwide, and we have an awful lot to talk about. Before we dive in, if you're not aware, and if my over-caffeinated state and uh, jittery excitement isn't incredibly, uh, incredibly obvious already, excuse me, I advise had a huge announcement last week, uh, and it was during our Conversation 2020 event. It is focused on unlocking the power of human and AI collaboration to scale the customer experience, but without sacrificing quality. Uh, our augmented intelligence tool set uh, was announced last week by Julien Orvouet, and uh, it's the talk of the town, to say the least. Um, uh, probably important to note why I joined this company uh, quickly also, and uh, I'll do my three minutes on the soapbox before Fritz pulls me off. Uh, I joined the company three years ago, candidly, because the vision addresses a pain I feel frequently as a consumer, and humanizing the digital experience at scale has been the vision. Uh, but as a consumer, buying online is difficult, right? It's, there's thousands of products to choose from, uh, and more often than not, uh, the PDPs, the product detail pages, are without the information I need in order to make my purchase and have the reassurance and actually drive to conversion. Uh, and then when they don't have the information I need on the site, too frequently I'm pinned against AI with no human escalation, like a chatbot on the site, a human that is unable to answer my questions uh, and or help me find the right fit. Uh, for example, I have very weird feet and buying shoes is usually a three or four return uh, process. Uh, or even worse, excuse me, lastly, is there's no way of engaging with the brand at all as a consumer besides maybe email or call. And if you're relying on me, a new website visitor with no loyalty to you to make the effort to email or call you, it's likely not going to happen. So iAdvise, of course, is focused around messaging, and it has over 5 billion monthly active users of messaging, to, messaging today. When I show up as a consumer, I want to speak to a human. I want them really to do two things. One is, of course, show up uh, and respond promptly on my preferred medium. And then secondly, I want that human to be matched to my unique need and, of course, provide the product reassurance I need uh, and expertise I need to feel confident about my purchase. So doing that for each visitor is, of course, difficult. And uh, if we take a step back and look at COVID, we've seen increases in traffic of about 25% for a lot of our clients today. So scaling has seemed an insurmountable task. But what we have done, and I think uh, many of you have seen Ed Billmeyer from Samsung spoke on this topic uh, as it pertains to COVID and giving a 100% 100% coverage rate. Uh, but we're helping brands deploy respondents that are matched to each visitor and where that visitor is in the customer journey. And these respondents are things like, of course, retail associates to provide localized advice. Hey, Paul, I'm down the road at your local Adidas. Come on by to pick up your new shoes. I have them in stock. Uh, it also includes in-house agents to handle support related concerns. 
And then it also includes passionate brand vetted customers to deliver true product expertise. And Adrian and I were just talking about this a minute ago, but imagine buying running shoes for the first time to run your first marathon, right? Uh, obviously, lot to think about in the first place. How am I going to finish this marathon? But getting the right shoe for your foot, because every foot is different, isn't as cookie cutter as it can feel on the website. And oftentimes that leads to returns, issues, injury. But imagine being able to talk to a passionate brand vetted product expert, an athlete in that scenario that has run the Boston Marathon and can warn you that, hey, with your Achilles injuries in the past, I want to be, make sure you're in the right shoe. Here's that shoe for you. It's a much more elevated experience. And then the last respondent, of course, that we're helping deploy with our brands today is, of course, AI and bots for self-service and automation, right? If we can minimize human touch as much as possible for cost savings purposes, we should. But our new release further enhances our capacity to delight website visitors and care one-to-one -one for each visitor's unique need, no matter where they are in the customer journey. So uh, I'll... Um, get off my soapbox now. I'm incredibly proud of the work our company has done in helping thousands of brands create a memorable experience for their consumers during this COVID crisis especially. And of course, what our major product advancements will do for them and their customers tomorrow. So before Fritz cuts me off, uh, let's get to the uh, meat and excitement of the day today. We have Adrian Swinsco here to talk about today's consumers, their expectations, Q4 innovators and everything else that might be bouncing around his and my brains. Uh, Adrian, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Terrence. Nice to nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for I, dealing I, with my little long ramble. It's great. You're to very have welcome. You. I'm loving the sloth and the fox, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, the blessing of having the last name Fox, I guess, is you get foxes constantly for every single gift. Uh, I have probably, I, I had to remove some from this frame. There's another one up top. Uh, but yes, it's a blessing and a curse with having the last name. Uh, and I, Adrian, to set the stage, I tried to dress appropriately in my punk gear today, but uh, as a 32-year-old new father, I, I don't unfortunately have too much. Yeah. Well, you know, that's going to be the thing. I think, I think the important thing about, about punk or being a punk, as it were, there's the fashion side of things and then there's the music side of things and then there's also just how you think. And right. what you believe in and what you hold to be important. And I think the thing, you know, you can be a punk without actually liking the music. You know, you could suggest that punk is just about daring to be different and innovating. Mind. Yeah, it's a mindset, right? It's not a method. It's sort of it's sort of an approach. It's like an energy. And that that's the thing that the the that I love about the the, the punk move the punk movement is that it's yeah, if you like the music, it's a bonus, right? But yeah. actually it's one of those social and cultural movements that even though it's probably 50 years old, more than 50 years old, it still has an impact. It's still impacting the worlds that, that we live in. People can respect and understand the idea what it is to be a punk and actually to do things kind of differently. Because like you said in your title, you're head of innovation, right? Innovation is all about being a punk, right? And looking for that difference. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Adrian, get me in your brain a little bit. Uh, what have you been reading these days? What are you excited to learn about? Uh, and you can't say how to wow or punk CX. Right. So I've got a book which I haven't got with me, which is uh, Malcolm Gladwell's new book called Talking to Strangers. 
which I've just started, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. I saw an interview with him where he was talking about it. I just love him as a writer um, and um, and and a, and a thinker, and how he explores, you know, almost like it comes up with counterintuitive sort of truths and insights. I think that's really uh, nice. And then I just kind of went and grabbed one, and I thought, well, actually, I might have a go at reading that again. And I, I don't know if you know this book. It's not how good you are, it's how good you want to be by no. Paul Arden. Now, he uh, sadly has passed away, but it's sort of, um, it's like one of those books, it's like an adrenaline shot in the arm, mm. you know, and it's, um, and it, it, the cover basically says everything that you need to know, right? Because it's all about learning and right. it's about thinking and about kind of trying to do kind of better and be better. Um, and it's not really a self-help book, it's more of like a punch in the face. Mm. <laughs> And so it's very, um, like like the Punk CX book, um, you know, it's very kind of like graphic, kind of like heavy, right. you know, that the, um, they use a lot, use a lot of pictures and interesting fonts and things. And, and, and that was a lot of the, you know, the, the inspiration behind some of the punk stuff, but it's a really cool book. Um, and so Adrian, I want to ask too, and I, I love to ask this, especially to someone like yourself, who's a CX consultant for brands worldwide, uh, and obviously a thought leader in the space, uh, tell me about a consumer experience you had lately that you were particularly happy with or dissatisfied with and, and why? Well, I'll tell you about one that just happened last week. And it was a friend of mine. Uh, it was his 50th birthday and I was scratching my head and I got in touch with his wife and said, what were you like? And he was like, she was like, well, you could get him some running gear or whatever because he's he'd, he'd always kind of use running gear, particularly long sleeve tops. It's the winter's coming sort of thing. Right. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, because mm, he's like one of my best friends and I know him really I know him really well. And I was just searching around and I found this thing. Um, cause he's a big fan. We both like football, like soccer in your parents, as it were. Yes. And he's like a Huddersfield Town fan. And I was able to find somebody that could on demand compile the story of um, Huddersfield Town Football Club mm. via newspaper kind of like uh, pages from yeah. 1920 onwards. And I saw basically commissioned a book, which is like A3 size. So it's quite big, leather covered. And it's basically got picture. It's got page, the printed pages of newspapers from 1920 all the way through to um, basically the beginning of the, the COVID pandemic. And, right. and everything that the sports pages kind of said, or samples of what the sports pages said that included Huddersfield Town. Mm. And... One, that was a beautiful thing because it showed how much choice and variety is out there. I was disappointed because his birthday was going to be on, uh, is, well, is on Friday or was on Friday rather. But it, you know, I found out I thought it was a perfect thing. So it was okay that I, they said our estimated delivery was going to be on Thursday, i.e. this Thursday coming. So right. I'd have to give it to him afterwards. Right. But actually, um, no, so his birthday was on Saturday. But actually, I was expecting to take delivery kind of like this this week. And then I'll go around and, and hand it to him. Um, but surprisingly, it just showed up. In fact, both oh, things I got for him just showed up on Saturday morning, and I was a bit like, <laughs> magic. Yeah. And, and, and so they beat their estimated arrival kind of date. Right. And is that special? Yeah, it's special because it was in the moment special. Right. Kind of like for me. And it was a combination of, they, did they know? No, they didn't. It just kind of, it was like happenstance, right? It, they just got something to me quicker 
then 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 it uh, it's estimated arrival and you know what I, that just worked out so sweetly for me right and you think about the significance of the event what you're trying to do in the moment and you're surprising your friend with a birthday present uh to uh under promise and over deliver in that space that's impactful for you no no completely now i always kind of like say that it actually you should the science kind of shows that you should make promises and then keep them that right. actually there's there, there's a diminishing return to over delivering on your promises right because customers actually don't um there's a diminishing return to the value that they ascribe to over delivery right and actually they just want people to keep their promises but in this case I'm a bit like, I'll, I'll take it, right? Because yeah. it was like, they didn't know, but it was like, hey, you know, yeah. it happened. And I didn't have to do the kind of give it to them again and try and explain it. I've got something for you. I'll have to give it to you later. But it was a case of, here you go. Right. Happy birthday. Yeah. So as someone who has uh, had the latter happen to me all too frequently, I would uh, like to go back in time and have that better experience that you had. So I, I definitely think that, Without meaning to, of course, they've tapped into something that was a benefit for you, and uh, will make them a bit more sticky, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I, I mean, I will totally talk about them, and not I would have talked about them before, but I will talk about them more because of um, the, the, the the whole experience, right? Well, so Adrian, let me get to something that I'm excited to ask you, and uh, in full transparency with everyone listening. Uh, when discussing the topics that we should discuss today with Adrian, we just kind of started shooting the shit and uh, <laughs> went from there. And I apologize for using an expletive, but uh, you know, I love your idea of the, the punk mindset. Is you know, you're everyone's a punk, right? If they have the the appropriate mindset, is a better way of saying it. What would you say, Adrian? Uh, some of the punks, the innovators today, are, are adopting, and how are they adopting it? Uh, in the context of COVID and, and prepping for it. So, and again, full transparency, I'm putting Adrian on the spot. I'm asking him something that I didn't give him any prep time for, but. Uh, <laughs> so I think the thing that, that the um, that, that I see that is, um, that really stands out is where people are doing things so quickly um, that, Whereas normally it would have taken them years to do, they've just kind of got done in kind of like weeks. And it's almost right. like, um, what they say, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? That, mm -hmm. I think that's the, the old saying. Um, but actually it's that the constraint in terms of the, um, the constraint of time and, and, and customer need has been ex extraneously kind of placed on many kind of brands. And right. they've had to respond, you know, like a fun story. Um, do you know that the guy, I've got some posters over here, which is the, uh, about Dr. Zeus cartoons on the wall sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Dr. Zeus. Um, and do you know that the, the author of Dr. Zeus, which I forget his name right now, um, made a bet when he was in the process of writing, or he was thinking about writing another book with his publisher that he couldn't write a best selling book with 50 words or less. So I then he went. Then he went and wrote "Green Eggs and Ham." Right, I did and, hear that, and it's now sold over like what two hundred million copies or something. Right, and it's that whole thing around. Sometimes constraints drive creativity. Now, some organizations place constraints on themselves, and it forces them to do kind of interesting kind of things because they have to operate within those kind of bounds. I think what this pandemic and the virus has done is forced people 
uh, uh, put constraints on brands and has forced them to do things. So, so some have responded really well and mm. some are still slow because they're getting caught in their own, chasing their tail, as it were, thinking right. about thinking about it. Um, but in, in that, I think, well, also, they, you've got people that have been doing things really, really well, but then there's also people that have actually taken, taken a step back and actually thought, what is the best way for us to respond right. to this? And it might be the case of being, if you like, uh, throwing off kind of some of their metrics, as it were, and how they operationalize kind of things because they realize that they need to be a bit more empathetic with their with one their employees and their customers and, and and everything else because that's the important thing that's kind of what kind of what what companies doing can't get what what the the, the conditions require kind of right, right now and 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 i think it's you know and the and the, also the other ones that are like people that just get the basics right and in fact they're brilliant at the basics yeah. and there's not many of them but they're just they 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 take the basics and they go smash right out, out of the park and they've I think just they've been they've been there all along the secrets hiding in plain sight right and yet few of them few people kind of actually copy kind of their approach i was talking with uh, colin shaw a few weeks back and he was talking about the basics and uh he used apple as an example uh you know you order something from apple you're likely going to find out that it's five stops away and you're constantly updated on the status of your order and little things like that, of course, go a long way, just sharpening and making the delivery of your product yeah. uh, as, as punctual as possible. But I think the thing is also you can look at it and you go, you talk about Apple, you talk about Amazon, talk about other kind of leaders in the space. So the, the ones, the examples that we all kind of like, kind of um, that have been there for the longest time. Right. And I think the thing of what they, um, they also know is for the basics for them, is it's like a limited sort of choice mm. you know um they understand that you know they will kind of do better if they concentrate on being great at a few things rather right. than average at a lot but they also understand because you can go look at those different brands and go how many channels do they serve their brands uh, their customers over and it's probably you can count them on one hand right the number of channels and they're just brilliant at those channels right but the other thing that they also kind of understand is that we, because we all know this, is that people will travel for and pay more for better service and a better experience. Mm -hmm. And we know this kind of instinctively. We know this, this, this works in the physical world, right? But what we tend to forget is that it also works in the digital world. And we will travel digitally to a brand kind of if we know we're going to get the best, better service and better experience. Mm. Um, and Adrian, you talk a lot about, so I mentioned earlier, you have a Punk CX podcast. Yeah. Uh, naturally, Adrian is the host of that podcast. So everyone make sure, of course, you check them out on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, but you talk a lot about injecting empathy as a part yeah. of your customer service strategy. And when we were talking earlier, you mentioned, you know, making sure that you have an empathetic framework for your CX. I a think musculature, Terrence. Musculature, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, sitting in a, I'm sitting in a new chair, so my musculature is a little sloppy right now. So, um, but tell me a little bit more about that. What, what are you rec recommending or advising, or what do you see that you're happy to see? So I think the thing that that, that makes me think is that we so we're seeing a rising kind of need for because many customers and also employees uh, through this kind of last kind of few months and and continue to be they're under stress, they're anxious, right. Um, and it can be maybe kind of 
troubled, uh, uh, you know, as, as well. I think that's and, a yeah, yeah, and so we've seen the 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 need for the desire to be more empathetic in our interactions, kind of with um, you know, with people. Now, empathy is sometimes easy for is easier for some people than it is for others. Some people are naturally more empathetic than others, but empathy can be learned. It's a skill. It's a capability. But it's something that um, it doesn't necessarily come to everybody naturally. And, and we default when under pressure, we default to not being empathetic unless we can build up this capability. Now, what I was saying is that actually, if you, you can work that at an individual level, but if you want to scale that to an organizational level, you have to think about what I'm called building an empathetic musculature. Now, that means that you have to think about the capabilities and the training and the support that your people kind of have. You've right. got to think about the tools that enable them and the systems and the processes and the technology that that, that, um, that, that, that help them do their job. You also got to think about the design of the experiences and the deployment of the experiences that you're uh, in the infrastructure that you're that you're that you're uh, you're trying to use to enable these kind of uh, interactions, these transactions. And so all of that, I think it fits into this kind of exoskeleton, I call it a musculature sort of like system mm -hmm. to make us more empathetic. Now, that doesn't mean to say that everybody needs to be touchy-feely or fluffy, you yeah. know, all of the time, right? Because empathy could be, I'm just going to be straight and to the point because that's the most empathetic thing to do. Right. Right. And so it's, it's, it's contextual. And it, it has to be relative to the, 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 the service and experience that you want to deliver and the strategy in the positioning of your, you know, of your brand. Mm. But we need to think about it holistically. Because if we don't, if you think, just think of it in piecemeal and we think, oh, empathy just needs, I don't know, a, a set of training courses, then it becomes a tick box exercise. I think, oh, we've done that and then move on. Right. And I said, it's way more than that. It takes much, much, much more than that. And it's a combination of strategy, people, process, and technology. So I talk a lot, uh, Adrian, and whether or not you've heard me ramble, I'll have you just secretly say yes. Even if you of have. course, avid, <laughs> avid, avid subscriber. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I talk a lot about bridging the online to in-store experience and making sure, of course, that that first engagement, if there's a need for it, uh, is empathetic, is emotional, is human, right? Sure. Uh, because as I mentioned in my, uh, I'll call it a monologue to start today's session, um, there's far too much of a feeling of a brochure in the digital presence, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you land on the site, you don't know what you need, you don't know what products are available. Uh, and then of course, each site is configured differently. It's very easy to get lost in how you're engaging with the brand today. Um, so a lot of what I'm focused on and interested in is, is how brands are having that empathetic connection, right? Mm -hmm. If they are. Uh, and you mentioned people, right? That people, that's a primary reason, but it's not a primary a means, but it's not just that simple checkbox. Um, so I, I'd be keen to see or, you know, learn from you if you've, if you've seen something that's served as a good example or uh, if you've been impressed with the empathetic connection by anyone in particular. Um, so I, I'm going to talk about my energy company. Um, because I was talking to them because uh, it comes to mind. I'm sorry. On the no, spot. no, 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 it's fine. Because I was talking to somebody about this kind of yesterday, and it, and it, it seems to kind of serve up as a, as a good example. Um, so my energy company is um, we set up by this these uh, this couple. They are, but they set it up as a co-op, a collective, as it were. So it's owned by its customers, 
and it's a hundred percent renewable energy. Um, they have a, they take a very simple approach to things. It's competitive, but it's you know, so it ticks all the boxes. So right. it's like not big, not big corporate sort of. It's for it, for the customers, by the customers, as it were, and it's kind of like renewable kind of energy. So you're like going brilliant, right? Um, but the, the, the reality of with, with energy is that some people struggle, particularly in kind of the colder months. And there's such thing we call it in the UK, uh, fuel poverty. Mm. You know, people can, can't afford to heat their homes right. because yeah. energy is kind of like uh, too expensive. And so and they also realized that this was the, the onset of this was going to come sooner rather than later during the, the initial surge of the, the COVID pandemic because people were getting furloughed or losing their job or whatever, and they wouldn't be able to, you know, heat their homes or kind of turn on the lights or whatever, because they're just strapped for cash. Mm. So what they did is they, they turned around and said, look, we're going to put together this, um, this alleviate, this kind of, I don't know, um, like a, an alleviation fund as it were for their, for the customers. And right. they said, we're going to do this. We're going to contribute to this as, as an organization. Now as customers, if you want to contribute to that too, to help you out your fellow customers, then that's kind of, that's cool. That's cool too. Now, the thing that really struck me about that was they were exercising agency on my behalf. Right. And doing something that given that how they were, that we would broadly kind of agree with. And if we wanted to participate as well, give if we had the capacity to participate, that right. would be a good thing. So you feel good about something and then doubly good about something because you can, you can contribute and things. And I was a bit like, well, that completely fits in with this kind of like a very contextual sort of thing around there's this massive need for a particular um, group of customers that they are, Kind of like related to you and i'm sort of related to as part of the same kind of group and it's a bit like well some people are struggling kind of here can we help out and 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 because that's a good thing to do and i just thought that was just so clued in to what was going on and not necessarily a hard thing to do but it was both they led it that allowed people to contribute and i just thought yeah you get it Right. And I mean, of course, that's that brand saliency, right? That that's the sort of warming uh, customer touch that brands are looking to have right? you know, to, to strike that up in you in yourself. But it's um, not constructed. It's just kind of like it's driven by going like we're just going to do this because it's the right thing to do. Right. And oh, if we get a wash on the back of like the brand, you know, an uptick in the brand saliency, it's like going, oh, I didn't expect that. But mm. nice, nice to have. Right. Because right. it's all about kind of, that's kind of it's part of the DNA. This is what we're here to do. Uh, now, Adrian, I'm already running out of time with you, so I do want to bother you about one more thing. Um, you have mentioned a few times in your Forbes article that was published, I think, over the summer, the need for a conversational approach. The time mm -hmm. is now. And you went on to talk about uh, how while customers might, may engage with you through many different channels, they see you as one single organism, right? Uh -huh. and tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it's something that just kind of like struck me kind of like um... – you know, a number of times over the, over the years, and it's like, you know, if you think about it from a customer's perspective, sometimes they might they might search for something on your website, and they might send you an email, but they were struggling to they were it, they were expecting a quicker response, and then and you didn't get back to them, so they then picked up the phone and they're waiting on a queue, and they're and then you eventually get through, and then somebody takes all your details, and then you say to them, "I sent you an email," and they go, "What did you?" 
Yeah, yeah. And you're like going, so it's a very simplistic and, and a very unforgiving kind of way of it. It's like in my, my head, I'm like going, I'm talking to you. Why are you not listening? Right. I smile because I have that customer pain myself. Right. You know, and so it feels to me that being able to try and pull in all of those things into a conversation, as it were, or right. like a history, or if, you, if I think about it as an, exa as an example, is like, um, say we... Say we're friends, right? And we've been friends for a long time. We are now, now right? Well, of course we are, yes. right? And so say there's kind of like, my memories might be, oh, there's a time when Terence and I kind of hung out. We had a couple of beers. We exchanged a couple of text messages. I kind of commented or you commented on a couple of kind of like Facebook posts or kind of whatever. Now, in my mind, that's not three different Terences. That's Terence. That's Terence. Right. Right. And that just feels like a very human kind of thing to, to do is to assume that it's like, even though there's different kind of channels, it's all to do with one entity. Right. I, you and me. Right. And how and frustrating is it as a visitor to have to repeat the information you've already submitted or repeat what you've already told them in the past because these things are all disjointed? Yeah, and absolutely. And so that's kind of what I mean is that taking a bit more of a you know, people have talked about it variously from like a 360 view of the customer and how long we've had that kind of idea kind of um, kind of floating around. And that's probably about 20 years now. Um, but actually now it's, uh, I guess, a more, that's a very internal view. Mm. But a conversational approach seems like a very human sort of view of it. It's right. like you understand what the timeline is and kind of all the different things that have fitted into that timeline. And so... That I think, and, and having access to that kind of that that you know that that conversation and all the other kind of knowledge pieces that go around that, that's mm. going to be the key to understanding um, one the conversation and the context, and also how you can kind of build build and improve that 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 relationship. Of course, and obviously that'll create that memorable, lasting experience that everyone's looking to achieve uh, during COVID, especially. Well, exactly. I mean, because even if you can go back and say before you respond to somebody and somebody goes comes back in and goes like, hey, Terrence, I see you've just kind of called us again or you're calling us again. Yeah. Just want to say again, the last time you spoke to us, we didn't do really well and you had a kind of problem. I hope, right. it's, still, I hope it's still fixed and it's still okay. Right. But how can I help you today? And then it becomes that contextual thing, right? Right. You're no longer just uh, a metric for them. You are, of course, a person. Which yes. Means uh, so, Adrian, I'm already at 31 minutes, uh, so I, I do have to let you get back to your actual job and the things that you like to do. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. Again, everyone, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Punk CX podcast, Adrian and his punk mindset. Uh, and of course, there's, yeah, thank you, Fritz. There's Adrian's actual URL to get to his site. He is a leading consultant worldwide, author of How to Wow and, of course, Punk CX. Adrian, thank you. It was a pleasure. Oh, he cut you off early. Uh, so everyone, thank you for joining us today. Next week, we have Lucille, excuse me, two weeks from today, we have Lucille DeHart, former Bed Bath & Beyond member and uh, you know leading executive. I think she's actually in New Jersey. So from the Northeast, I'll say, she's from near my hometown. She's joining us to talk about buy online, pick up in store and buy online and pick up at curb, what she's seen during the pandemic. Uh, and of course, as someone who has had years of experience at brands like Bed Bath & Beyond, we're super excited about her insights. Uh, again, like, subscribe, share, and of course, subscribe to Adrian Swinscow and his punk mindset. It was a pleasure having him today, and thank you all for joining us.